Welcome to a very special Sportsbeat Extra this week, live from Talk Park. Yes, the League of Ireland is finally back, a mere 148 days later for the Blues. And they're back with a new manager, a new setup after a tumultuous time for players and fans alike. Later on, we'll get Jim Sheridan and his players' reaction to today's game against Shelburne. But first, we chat to a Waterford footballing legend. This is Sportsbeat Extra. John O'Shea, uh, I have to say now, I took this job a year ago and I was really hoping that at some point within this year I'd have been speaking to you earlier at this, but it's great to get you in. Um, back down at home in Waterford, uh, you're Ferrybank originally, of course. Um, I know you're over in Grace Dewar or somewhere around that direction yeah, at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. Um, How nice it to be home because I suppose you've just been wrapped up in the madness that has been the championship over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's great to be back. Um, the championship, obviously, after the lockdown, we, we were hoping obviously to kick on a bit. Yeah, when you're in that mid-table area, you're hoping to just get a run together and you might get a chance at the playoffs but we were unfortunately we weren't consistent enough and uh, but as you said the last couple of weeks shows you how um, crazy the championship is really and what look at you want to be in the Premier League obviously you want to be uh, up, up in that league but you, it, it shows the competitiveness to get into the league because the championship there's very little to be fair to Leeds and West Brom they probably Brentford obviously ran them close but they, I think the two, those two teams did deserve it. Um, they were they were the best two teams, but there's very little between, as you can see, with the top beating bottom quite often and the runs that teams can go on. It's a it's an, it's a very uh, very competitive league. And I think Brentford caught us all by surprise. Really, if they won the first seven games, um, are they the only team that mightn't want supporters to come back into their grounds know, <laughs> next season I because they, they had it, such an unbelievable thing. That was the, that was the dynamic because. Um, some of the stadiums then had crowd noise. Yeah. Some didn't. Um, oh, what was that experience like? It yeah, must be because I know you're obviously not in the middle of it, but still you're you're on pitch side. Yeah, it must well, be a strange players, kind of players couldn't have the excuse of not hearing the manager <laughs> or the coaches anymore. <laughs> not um, that they didn't try. I'd say. They they did their best, but uh, no. Look, that that was an interesting dynamic, and obviously the water breaks at times. Yeah. When the teams are on top, you don't want it to happen, you mm. know. And it'd be interesting to see. I don't think. Maybe I haven't, they haven't confirmed it yet for the start of next season, but I don't think there'll be something that'll carry on. Mm. Um, but there's going to be the extra substitutions. That was a different dynamic too. It was it was, it was strange, but it, it's one of them things. That probably at the time you felt, yeah, it was a good idea because of the the change in how long players had off and the risk of injuries yeah. definitely was increased. But uh, interesting to see I think that's staying for next season and it, it is interesting to see and I suppose you're as good a man to talk to as anybody about it because obviously you're famed for your versatility I mean you've that famous you know you've played in pretty much every position for United yeah. at some stage and Alex was always talking about your versatility and I suppose for players like yourself five substitutions is almost a bad thing because it allows managers to play more specific positions that guys aren't able to cover different positions yeah look that would definitely be one way of looking at it but also you'd be kind of thinking then the opposite and you look at you're telling me obviously you're you a big Arsenal man so um, there's a young lad obviously with Arsenal at the minute young Saka yes and yeah. he's doing incredible and look at many positions he's been able to play you know and how what a blessing he's been for Arteta so it's it's it was definitely a positive for me, and I think for more players, I think even on the coaching side of things now, yeah, you want obviously your centre forwards and certain things. Certain players won't be moving positions, but um, if you can have a couple of those players that can 
do, not do a good a job in different positions it's a, it's a big asset it's, to have it's gold dust yeah, yeah. and I'll, I have a do like I said when you came in I do have a bone to pick a chip about the Arsenal thing in a bit but we'll get to that in a bit um, I suppose tell us uh, you're, you're like starting off um, you were you know you went on, on loan a few places and I, I was interested to see I didn't realise that you were actually on loan with Royal Antwerp for a while mm. as well as Bournemouth tell us about your kind of experience in Belgium because it, it's something I, very, I think very few people actually kind of know about you and it's an unusual path for for footballers to take to go across to the continent and do you think that the kind of that experience helped you a lot or, or would you advise other footballers to go the same way yeah I definitely recommend it um, it helped me not football wise but also personality wise in the mm. sense of uh, having to cope with um, and mentally I suppose a, a, a toughness that um, you have to kind of adapt you have to challenge yourself uh, learn to fend for yourself there was a, plenty of phone calls back to my mother <laughs> About uh, washing machines and uh, cooking, <laughs> cooking equipment, but we got we got there in the end, you know. And um, no, what an experience too, because Antwerp was a beautiful city too, mm. and uh, majority of people speak English over there. I was learning obviously a few words was in, it Flemish, in or Flemish French. Yeah, it was, it was Flemish, <laughs> so it was interesting. Mainly swear words, <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was a really good experience, and it was the year before. I think it was. Two years before the relationship started with Manchester United, mm. that I think it was Ronnie Wallwork, Danny Higginbottom, uh, I can't remember who else, but they they were involved over there. Then Luke Chadwick went the next season. He helped them get promoted back to the top league. Then myself and Jimmy Davis. Um, if you, just a quick story about Jimmy, he passed away a few years later in a, in a tragic car accident. He, he went on loan. He came back. He was doing doing good. He was going to have a, a good career ahead of himself. He went on loan to Watford, and unfortunately, he he passed away in a yeah. in a tragic accident. And um, but he he was a great part in helping, not only because of the type of character he was, helping me settle in over in in Antwerp as well. So, um, but the club, I think we won the later on that season at United, we won the the League Cup, and we did a lovely tribute to Jimmy, you know, mm-hmm. as well. And it was a it was a nice touch, but. I think the follow just showed the following season then as well. The player Johnny Evans was out there, <laughs> uh, Darren Gibson. I think Danny Simpson might have went as well, you know. And it was a great learning curve for them too. And they got a, they got a great experience out there too. And I think my first game, first no second game, I was playing away at Anderlecht. Um, In the Constant Van Stack, you know, yeah, some stadium. Jan, Jan Kohler and Thomas Rosinski were the two strikers. <laughs> And I'm up against them, and you know it's brilliant, great experience for me. And I, when I came back, that's when the manager said, "Now, now I can trust you to yeah. play in the team." You know, you know, you, you made your international debut with Ireland uh, against Croatia, and obviously, I know the the end of it was difficult, the handball and everything. And then you weren't included in the 2002 squad. Was that? Did you kind of feel at that point that you, there was an opportunity missed, or were you always confident that you were going to come back into the Irish fold at some point? I know. Look, I was all, especially if you're you're breaking in at Manchester United, you're always confident that you're going to get international recognition behind it. Um, it just happened. There was no. Yeah, it would have been amazing to go to the World Cup in 2002, but uh, in one sense, it wouldn't have been. Yeah. In the, yeah. With everything getting involved with the yeah. middle of Saipan would have been interesting. <laughs> Um, but look, that, that's something when I got into the squad then with Mick, he said about just taking the players that had that had got the the team to the tournament. So there was no 
no ill, Ill issue there and I knew beforehand I was probably going to be struggling because I think Roy had did an interview saying that I should go so oh. I, knew, I knew the minute Roy said that I was never going <laughs> <laughs> the camp was the camp the lines were only said you know, John I'd love to chat with you a lot more I actually have a lot more I'd like to talk to you about including about Jordan Henderson because I know you weren't there together at the same time at Sunderland but I presume you would have known a lot about him but I'm going to fast forward it's the under-21's job now because um, just tell us uh, I suppose it's kind of come full circle now coming playing for Ireland and coming back and, and now you're, you're assistant uh, you know, you're working with Jim or Jim Crawford now. That I suppose you probably would have known before. He was involved in Waterford as well. Um, I suppose tell us, uh, you know, how much different is it is managing now with the Irish setup? How much of an honour is it, and how much do you think you'll be able to bring? Because the fact that you're such a versatile player means that you probably you're a real student of the game. You probably know a huge amount about it, a huge amount of different parts and, and how to manage games. Yeah, well, hopefully that and that's the thing. That's the I think that's the detail and the skill that you'll hopefully be able to translate and get across to the players. It's quickly as possible but um, no as you said incredibly honoured to to be working involved with Jim and, and Rennie now with the, with the Irish under 21 you know great experience and that's the thing for me over the next couple of years really wanting to work with good people to have that experience in management and coaching and me like being like a sponge soaking it up from then yeah. as well as obviously trying to help out and play my part and to help with my knowledge and uh, look, we've got a good group of players too to be working with and hopefully pushing a few up to Stephen's senior team as well. And hopefully to continue the, the fantastic work that Stephen and his team did, which obviously Jim was a part of uh, already with the 21s and we're on top of the group. So we're hoping we can maintain that and look forward to a, a European Championship for the 21s, which hasn't been uh, said too often with Ireland. Tracking sport across the southeast. So full-time here at Talca Park and John Martin's goal sees Waterford leapfrog shells all the way up to fourth place in the SSE Tristy Division with a 1-0 win at Talca Park. After the game, I spoke to Blues manager John Sheridan. Um, John, first of all, thanks for speaking to beat. Um, look, could you ask for better in your opening game as a manager, not only to win, but the first clean sheet as well? No, great start for us. Um, obviously, to come and win the game, that was the most important thing, to get three points from the game. It was a very tough game on a... I don't think people can see how actually I've just walked across the pitch. It's a very difficult pitch as well. So I applaud my players for the efforts they put in. I thought I thought we started the game well. First 10-15 minutes, got ourselves into the game quickly. Um, and then we get the most important thing is you get that first goal and then you you know you got something to, for some reason you defend better to hold on to things and you know that a clean sheet will win you the game. So I applaud the players. Shells come into the game second half, put us under a lot of pressure, balls going in the box. And I applaud the players again for, for defending, doing the ugly things well, putting the bodies up. Someone's, I think it was Robbie McCourt's made a brilliant block there. Um, also, I think we could have we could have dealt with the ball and kept the ball a little bit better and caused them more problems. But no, uh, I'm not moaning about. It's about getting the three points. It's a massive result for us, and it's a great start. Um, I mean, we've seen in England kind of the almost the home effect taken away because of the current pandemic and the closed doors games. Do you think that played to your advantage, especially in the last 15 minutes, kind of because they were pressing you more and more as the game went on? The lack of crowds could help one or two teams. Obviously, the so-called bigger teams and the better supported teams, but it's the same for everyone. You know, everyone's going to get it. I think one thing. People are like coming to Waterford is our pitch. It's a beautiful pitch. They'll want to come and play on it. You know, when you see some of the pitches, and if I'm looking at this pitch today, it's very difficult to play on. So you're, we're going to have to battle. It's not about just playing and passing the ball around all the time. Sometimes you'd have to, you win ugly. And I think we've done that. We've come and got the first goal. We defended as a team and worked our socks off. And it gets you over the line. And I'd love us to try and pass the ball and keep the ball a little bit better. But no, it's a bit, I knew it'd be a tough game. Tough game. I think a lot of the teams in this league will. 
it's a very evenly matched league. If, if I look at the points in the, the the table at the moment, I watched a couple of games uh, last night. So we've just I just want to try and install into the players and believe that we can be competing near the top. I don't want us thinking we've just got to avoid relegation. That is our first first aim, but I don't want to be talking about relegation. I want to be talking pushing and trying to compete up there. Well, you're in fourth position now, so you're in a great spot to, to kind of kick on. Uh, three debutants today, how do you think they went? Yeah, tired. They were tired. Um, and because of the small numbers, I would have took them, I would have took them off with 50, uh, probably 15 minutes ago, but they battled through. Um, so it, well, it won't do them any harm. You get fitter and uh, quicker by playing games. So they come thick and fast. With the training will be very easy because of so many games and how fast they come come around so uh, we'll make sure they're okay we'll look after them and uh, again another really tough game on Tuesday night long journey and we uh, we go there hopefully with uh, everyone on board got one or two little knocks but everyone on board and, and we try and go and win the game Fox. I've got a couple of Michael O'Connor's coming hopefully coming back from injuries obviously with his ankle uh, Daryl Murphy Daryl's three or four weeks away though Um I'm thinking of what's Jake's surname? Uh, come from Dundee United. He, he'll be back for Cork. He misses Tuesday. He's in lockdown at the moment. And Welsh, Welsh, he'll hopefully train. So four big players for us. Make us a lot, lot stronger and push people and compete for positions in the team. Is Daryl an injury or is he just there? Daryl's injured at the moment. Yeah. Calf, calf injury. But he's he's back in light train. Uh, he's not on the pitch. He's just got to be careful and. Uh, He's in the physio's hands, but um, but Michael's not far away. Uh, well, she's not far away, and Jake, Jake Davidson. Sorry, <laughs> uh, pardon me, pardon me. Uh, John, you'd, you'd obviously those four new players announced yesterday. You still had a space free on the bench. Were you worried at the beginning of the week that you kind of weren't oh, going to have a squad well, together? We're, we're very, we've got some young kids on the bench, and uh, we've been training with us. Hopefully, they'll learn and, and get used. It's good for him. But whether I feel they're ready for the for the first team at this moment in time but the chain was in one or two if, if people out here and, and we're short on numbers they've got an opportunity if I feel um, if I feel good enough I'll put, I'll put them on the team young Nilo Key's been doing really well young lad on, I was about to put him on there was only a minute left so I just kept Robbie Weir on for his experience but no I, I want the young kids believing that they've got an opportunity with me while I'm managing here and finally John just from me um, you're talking about the pitch any other big changes from what you're used to over in England in terms of coming in here and managing a League of Ireland team not really no no um, I don't know the league, but I know obviously of the teams and what have you. And I know it's a very tough league. Um, a lot of teams are very evenly matched. You've got your stronger teams, so Dundalk and your Shamrock. I know that, but but I feel if we if we if we do things right and we and we get on board in the system and the way we do, they've got to get used to me as well. I'm quite demanding, and I hope the players respect that. And we've just got to push and, and try and compete with them teams. It's not about the money. It's not about this and that. I won't make excuses I'll, who's got biggest budgets or whatever, whatever. I just try and get on with what I can and pick the best team I can. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Also on today is Ireland's second one-day international with England. The first opportunity we have to see Ireland in competitive action in any sport. Later on, I'll get a club perspective from Bagnallstown's Harry Shorthose. But first, I talk to David Griffin, chairman of Munster Cricket. Yeah, it's been a long wait to, to get going. We normally have started our season in the middle of April and here we are in the middle of July. Uh, yeah, it's been quite a long process. First of all, we had to get clubs back training and we work closely with Cricket Ireland and all the other unions um, on the, in the country you know, to get the protocols agreed with Sport Ireland. So training got started back around the start of June 
and um, each club had to put their own processes in place. Um, and then the we moved on to the getting back to play protocols, which you know added a further layer of, of things that had to be done in terms including kind of some changes to the way cricket is set up and the length of matches and so on. So yeah, long process, but we're we're up and running. It's been particularly difficult for yourselves because, as people well know here, Ireland isn't exactly a country suited to the game uh, weather-wise. So the season is, is short enough as it is. And, I mean, you're kind of all ready to go, really, to get going with the season. It normally starts around April time and then the coronavirus hits. So and now it's eating very much into a season that's been shortened already. Um, normally the season ends around the middle middle of September. So um, like, how difficult has it been to try and pack everything you need um, into the next couple of months? And I suppose there are things that I have to be sacrificed. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be uh, considerably less comp- competitions played. Uh, one of the things that has sort of, in a sense, clarified that for us is that the decision that came back from the medics up in Sport Ireland was that the only form of cricket that could be played at club level is 20-over uh, cricket, the shorter form of the game, because uh, they didn't want... Uh, teams participating for more than about three hours in total. So that men- means that all of the competitions uh, will be run on a 20-over basis this year. So there will be, if you like, a T20 blitz or knockout kind of competition followed by a league. So, But the traditional cups, you know, which would have been played over 40 or 50 overs, and the traditional league matches will not happen for this year. So um, that clarified the thinking in terms of what we could play or couldn't play. Does that make it a little bit e- easier almost in a way that it is limited to 20 overs because I suppose that opens up the, the opportunity of evening games for clubs, it opens up the opportunity you know, to fit it a f- a more games in. I mean, when when we had the T20 Blitzes in Munster, I know there's, there's almost three games a day taking place because you can run those. So is that what's going to happen or, or what's the planning? Well, again, the other writer uh, is that you players can only play one T20 match a day so you know we would originally hoped you know to bring three clubs to one ground and, and each play two matches but we can't do that so every club will just play one T20 on a you know on a home and away basis against each of their opponents um, on any particular day so it could cause problems because um, uh, you know the clubs are scattered right across Munster so there's a lot of travelling having to be done uh, for a relatively short game, but if you know, we just have to accept that if we want to play cricket this year. So, so that's that's the name of the game, and that's what we have to do. Um, and it seems like a game that's reasonably well suited to. I mean, apart from slip fielding, maybe um, generally the players are reasonably dispersed. There's just quite a there's quite a big uh, gap. So. Um, I suppose in that T20, like with with the slip court now, for example, um, are there going to be regulations on how how long guys can field in the slips, or um, is there a kind of regulations on to make sure that social distancing is kept? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any restrictions on anyone fielding in any one position, but you know, you have to maintain the the two meter social distancing. So, um, and you have things like, I mean, the wicket keeper. If he's standing up to the, up the stumps, must wear a mask. Um, and so the main thing that people are concerned about is is the ball and you know the fact that it's passed around from all the players. So um, you know there are 
in, you know, players are encouraged not to throw the ball, you know, from one fielder to another to get it back to the bowler, but to pass it straight back to the bowler and this kind of thing. Um, and there's no, you know, you can't, you know, the way people would maybe spit on the ball to help shine it up, yeah. you can't do that kind of thing anymore. That's all totally uh, out of order. So, um, so the, yeah, there's going to be, have to be a little change of habits. There'll be no, um, no huddles or um, before matches or during matches. Uh, even when the batsmen you know, go down the wicket to have a little chat, they'll have to stay two, two metres apart. So, so a bit of culture change for a lot of players. Um, but we'll you know, have to do our best to, to adhere to all these requirements. Tell us, uh, David, as well about the, 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 the interprovincial competition. Um, obviously, Munster were only playing in the T20 anyway as it stood. So um, are there still plans for it to go ahead or, or what's, what's changing yeah, there? We're, we're glad to be able to say that the interpro competitions will go ahead. Munster will be in the T20. There will be two. The Munster Reds will play two home matches in Cork on the first and the eighth of September. They play the Leinster on the first and Northern Knights on the eighth. Um, those matches there are Tuesdays and they'll have a one thirty start. So, um, so it'll be great to see top level cricket back in Cork after a break for a couple of years yeah I suppose the hope is uh, that's after the August 10th the, you know the, the deadline's been pushed back so I suppose the hope is that by the time that comes around you'll be in a position to welcome more spectators or at least the average amount of spectators I mean to be fair I don't think there's going to be any more than 500 people in the Mardyk anyway so you, yeah. you should be okay in terms of getting the same amount of spectators and being able to socially distance yeah we we'll obviously have to see what the situation is at the point those matches Will happen, and we will probably run a, a registration system whereby anyone intending to come will need to, you know, register the name on a, um, you know, online, and uh, then they can be checked off when they arrive, so that that we 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 know. But the details of that still have to be worked out because, you know, that, that's quite a way still, and uh, you know, the regulations might have might have changed by the time we get there. Um, taking off your, your administrator hat and putting on your uh, supporters hat I know a phrase you're very fond of um, Ireland playing England at the AGS Bowl in Southampton the end of July and the start of August um, as a supporter I suppose massively exciting and as well just a great opportunity for, for to put cricket in the spotlight as the fact that Ireland are kind of the, for the Irish cricket team are the first team back and always there's great buzz against playing against England Yeah obviously and um, with England being the the world champions at that level at the moment and captained by uh, Irishman Owen Morgan. It always adds a little extra uh, to, those, to those clashes. These will also be the first matches Ireland will play in the qualification campaign for the next uh, World Cup. So, they, you know, they, they are important for us. It's going to be a real big ask because none of the Irish players have played any cricket, really, uh, Except they'll have maybe one or two, and they won't have any club matches behind them because they will already have gone over to England and be isolating in the in the venue uh, as part of the conditions for playing these matches. So they'll be going to the matches fairly cold, based on just uh, a number of training sessions and uh, a warm-up match or two. But it's you know where we want to be, um, nothing better than playing England at the highest level and. Uh, Hopefully they'll go well. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports extra. Probably the most difficult part is probably having to make sure that we have a COVID officer on site at every training session and every game. Um, it's kind of hindered us a little bit. We were hoping to kind of have a friendly 
over the weekend uh, an opportunity came up to host a friendly game, but we didn't have enough people because we had to have a separate COVID officer as well. It puts pressure on us as well because we're a small club and at times training numbers aren't great, aren't big, and we only have about five members that have volunteered to be COVID officers, so it kind of puts pressure on us at times to make sure that there's someone there at all times that can provide the sanitisation and make sure all the balls are cleaned. Um, you played against Leinster's thirds there uh, a few, uh, was it last week? Um, I suppose great to be back and kind of really cricket's in the spotlight now because it is one of the first sports back um, for competitive action. Yeah, definitely. I mean, internationally, it's the first sport that's been that's back on an international level. Um, domestically, here in Carlo, it was the first sport that was back as well, competitively as well. It was great to be back. Everyone kind of enjoyed it. Um, I think we've kind of had to cut down on our teams. We've had to cut back to two teams from three because we have a lot of people that just that don't feel comfortable coming back in the conditions are there at the moment and it's obviously T20 matches as well from 40 overs so it's putting a lot more pressure on it on us as a club um, You're speaking a little bit about that, that international match um, Ireland against England always good when Ireland play England there's always a good bit of competitive rivalry there um, never mind to say um, you know in the current circumstance with so little cricket being played um, as we speak England have just wrapped up uh, a 2-1 test series against uh, the West Indies uh, some of those players uh, involved in that series will be, be playing in the ODIs as well but uh, quite an experimental England squad same for Ireland as well uh, Mark Adair who was last week years, years leading wicket taker out with an ankle injury so um, I suppose first of all any chance that Ireland get an opportunity to play England is huge but just from your perspective knowing the two teams how do you, how do you think uh, that one will play out? I think it'll probably be a lot more even than you might think um, because a lot of the England test players aren't available so a lot of their England World Cup heroes like so your Joe Roots your Joss Butlers your Ben Stokes your Joffrey Archers they're not playing it's a great chance for a lot of the English players to get experience and it's a great opportunity for Ireland as well to try and get a win with a lot of those players missing. But then again, on the last weekend, the England Lions played against the, against the Irish team and ended up winning comfortably. So you just never know what way it'll work out yeah um, Mark think conceded 74 runs and 8 overs uh, during that game and it was, a, it was a pretty comfortable run chase particularly given how high uh, Ireland had set um, the one man that is one of the World Cup heroes and one of the man's that man, men that is playing uh, the ODI specialist Owen Morgan he's captaining the team so that always adds that little bit of flavour David Griffin mentioned it earlier to have uh, who is essentially an Irish man playing in an English team against Ireland it is a, still a very very strange situation isn't it Harry? very unusual it's not seen very often it's a shame really you would be a big big help to the Irish team you would be a big asset to them and I know it's a big topic of conversation for people when talking about cricket the fact that an Irishman is captaining England it's unheard of Sports Beat Extra Beat 102-103 That's all from Sports Beat Extra this week absolutely fantastic to have live sporting action to cover once more and fingers crossed it won't be long before we see more to come Thanks to Aoife Kearns for producing today's show and indeed Shelburne for having us. But up next is Trish with Beat Anthems.